0: Welcome to Meet the Comedian at the Apple Store Regent Street in London. Would you please welcome our guest moderator, TV and Reviews Editor for Heat Magazine, Boyd Hilton.
1: Thanks, thanks everyone. Obviously, you've all come in to see me in a, in a jumper with an iPad. Uh, no, you haven't. We've got one of the most exciting um, Meet the Comedian events I'm sure we've ever had here at the Apple Store. Uh, the most thrilling, really exciting, funny, everything comedian around really but before we bring him on the stage for a chat so I'm going to chat for him a bit and then I'll throw him to you guys and you can chat for him with him for a bit ask anything you want really within reason um before we bring him out let's have a look at the very interesting this is the kind of opening introductory bit of his current show let's have a look Yeah. Russell Brand. We are. You got coffee? Yeah. Hello,
2: everyone. All right, boy. Do yeah, right, mate.
1: How are you feeling?
2: Very well, thank you. Well, should we sit down? Yeah,
1: yeah, sit down. Um, it's a chat show in a shop. It is. It's different, <laughs> but it'll be fine. So that introductory video, which features um, an incredible array of people, kind of the destruction of the planet, that kind of thing, is not your average start to a stand-up show and I think it reflects that this isn't just a normal kind of stand-up show it's a bit more ambitious and philosophical and it's got more challenging stuff was that did you want to set out to create something that was a bit different a bit more interesting a bit more challenging
2: I did, mate. Yeah, thanks for asking one of them types of questions. <laughs> that's flattering.
1: Uh, totally, like it's like a flattering Had question.
2: It feels like I can't go wrong from that genesis. Yeah, what it was is I thought, oh, I can. When I'm doing stand up, I can talk about whatever I want. I'm only responsible to my own personal morality, and that's a, uh, as you know, a very brittle mechanism. So uh, I could say whatever I wanted and uh, I, I thought it would be interesting at this time to talk about the impact on history of uh, uh, great men like Che Guevara or Gandhi and Malcolm X and um, how cultural narrative is constructed and rendered and doing that in a way that's sort of funny obviously that being the priority of yep. comedy was really really challenging and exciting.
1: Did it take you like a long time like, to balance the two things? Because as you say, you wanted to make it funny. It is a stand-up show, but you are making a lot of points that are non-traditional stand-up material throughout it. But did you, did you all the way through, think, oh, I've got to have a joke, I've got to have a joke. Or were you happy to kind of have stretches where maybe it wasn't that funny and maybe it was a bit more thought-provoking?
2: No, comedy is a genre, and like, so the primary obligation of that genre is humour. Like, but it's only like dance is a genre or horror. You could do a horror story set like, you know, I don't know, at an orphanage, can't you? I think there is one called that. So, that's maybe why that was in my mind. But you could like so there is no. I don't think there's any limitations to the 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 subject matter of comedy as long as it is funny. So uh, like for me, it was very very exciting to do that. And I don't know. I I, I find the designated territory that I'd existed in comedically up to then it was starting to feel sort of prohibitive and had been in fact a little bit lazy. This is the first time I've really worked hard on a on a stand-up show. Is it? Really hard. Yeah. So, yeah. in
1: what sense? How much longer did it take to kind of get together than normal? Or, does, or was it? And does it evolve like since you first started? I give
2: it, it time to evolve properly. I just like what I've done. I started from the perspective of oh, I can talk about whatever I want. Then I thought. Then I started doing gigs wherever I was, like in sort of hundred-seat venues, and just talking about those things. And it started off a lot more about oh, the Che Guevara did this funny thing. This funny thing happened to Malcolm X. But more and more, it became about making that information pertinent and, and relative or uh, 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 relevant to uh, to today. And then obviously, like given that it's a sort of a very Um, autobiographical art form anyway stand up comedy it constantly sort of returned to me and I found a device a way I could talk about them men and you know and then sort of go on about myself as well which is let's face it what I do most yeah fair enough though Mm.
1: Um, and it's interesting in the show you quite early on in the show, in the one in the one that's out on DVD and downloadable on iTunes, by the way, um, you're interacting with you. You go into the audience with your huge long mic lead, and you kind of run away. that. Like uh, that's unusual to do that quite early on, and that and that can goes on for quite a long time. Is that a thing you want to do? Do you do that every night? Do you go into the audience and see what happens, see who's there, see who you interact with, and see what happens from that?
2: Yeah, I do because I think that's a really good way of making it's a, it's live, isn't it? So it's good to make it a unique and live experience for the people that are there what well, sometimes eventually people will watch this on the internet they won't have the same experience as people that are present right now for a start this would have been edited so yeah. I'll seem <laughs> a lot funnier but also <laughs> they won't know if perhaps if you and I were to fart boyd that that That's would true. that would not be an integral part of the experience That's and when, right. I'm like, sort of, when I'm doing like so when I'm doing stuff I think like what if I got in the audience in the beginning it makes it very very clear that, that this is about us tonight the people in Wolverhampton we live in this very anodyne culture this apple i store it'll be like this if we were in one in chicago or I don't know, Delhi or whatever, they're all like that. We're like having this homogenised experience here. You know, and like so I think this is very important to make it live and actual and like then for the rest of the show I've got all these people and events that I can refer to. Like I've had little chats with people and and I find it very fertile. I find that that, that we have such commonality, human beings. I feel like that we define ourselves by our differences, by well, well, I believe this, I don't believe that. But actually, underneath all of that superficial architecture, we're all the same and we're all alright.
1: Absolutely. Do you ever think, if, if you, do you ever go into the woods and it's so, they're so interesting and something so incredible happens that you think, oh, I might not get to all the stuff, all the stuff you've got, all, your, all the heroes you talk about, Gandhi and all of that, and you, can't, that, you might leave that really late and then do a load of stuff about the people in there.
2: I do, actually, mate. And tell you what happened. Once I've made the DVD, like I've done a DVD, once the DVD was made, I thought, there, I've done that now. And then the next night I was in, like, Portsmouth. I thought, oh, fuck, I've got to do that thing again. Yeah. And I thought, I've already recorded it now. Oh, can't we just put it on the telly and I'll just sit and watch it with them or <laughs> skylark about and talk about Portsmouth pertinent content like the Navy and Harry Redknapp? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wanted to talk about. Those are the subjects that people in Portsmouth are interested in, believe me.
1: You're right, I've been to Portsmouth. You're you all are right about that. Yeah, um, I yeah. was there. Yeah, yeah, completely. Don't talk
2: to me about you weren't there, man. I wasn't What they there. say
1: about Vietnam. Yeah, that is true. Well, how was Portsmouth? It's, you know, tough, man. <laughs> it's
2: tough. Of course, it's tough. It's, tough. it's <laughs> mad, isn't it, Portsmouth? Yeah. There are people. They've gone as far as they could go without leaving, and they're pissed off.
1: Yeah, that is true. <laughs> um, let's have a look. We've got a clip of a bit of the show. I think quite kind of explanatory bit of the show, I should, which will help.
3: Where it's will the it be on? Actually, One of these it's going to be TV on there. Sets? Yeah. I I'll know what happens yeah.
1: eventually.
2: I'll just hear the first bit. Yeah. Messiah complex is a psychological condition wherein the sufferer believes themselves to be Jesus Christ, a messianic figure sent to earth to save humanity. Why would you be interested in that subject, Russell? You're such an unassuming, well-balanced young man. <laughs> well, my interest has been piqued by the knowledge that there is a mental hospital in Jerusalem with a ward exclusively dedicated to sufferers of the Messiah complex. Don't you think that's a bit of a cruel thing to do to someone who thinks they're Jesus? Put them in a room full of other people (laughs) who also think that they are Jesus. That's (laughs) going to cause conflict, surely. Oh, what a day it is to be the son of God in Jerusalem's holy city. Oh, I'm going to have to stop you there, brother. For to die that wear the thorny crown and bear the golden chalice of our lord. (laughs) Oh, my brother, you are mistaken. You are sick with a malady, but I heal thee. I heal thee. I heal thee. You are mistaken. 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 You are mistaken, but I forgive you. Oh, well (laughs) (laughs) played.
1: Why the, why the cam voice? Where's the cam voice come from? In, anyway. like, I like talking like <laughs> yeah. that.
2: Feels, it comes to me dead easy, that. Like, don't you sometimes think that your whole personality is a bit arbitrary? A few different decisions, <laughs> you could have been a completely different person. You know that first bit when you wake up in the morning don't even really remember who you are for a second? Especially if something bad happened the previous day. You sort of wake up and you go, oh, that thing! But there's a split second where you could be anybody and I I'd like to be him sometimes <laughs> just like I could just as easily be like that boy. I mean
1: he is very seductive yeah. he, he is not to
2: women sadly no
1: no but it's fine that's absolutely uh-huh. fine um I love the fact early on in the show we get to see Morrissey we glimpse Morrissey and you and you mentioned it and you, he kind of he's got his typical riot uh, look on his face well, I'm fascinated but uh, first of all obviously I'm associated with Morrissey and I assume I mean obviously we know you love the Smiths and Morrissey growing up and all of that now that he's become your friend is that f- is it is kind of everything you wanted it to be? Is it everything does it kind of live up to your expectations of what he was going to be like? Yes, yes, yeah, does it? As in, it's impossible to regard him as a friend because he is a man who lives behind an
2: edifice of mm, what is that thing? Morrissey, I think, is the Morrissey that we know through his music. He, it's not easy to sort of go. Oh, all right, Morrissey, do you want to come down a <laughs> pub? Some of that sort of person.
1: No. But you said, do you want to come to my show? No, he just turned up and oh, no one he? told
2: me he was there because otherwise I'd have been more <laughs> worried. Like I, don't, I don't like to know that Morrissey's somewhere. <laughs> if he's sort of his, his quiff-hoved interview there, <laughs> if I caught him buying a new set of headphones in the Apple store, I'd freak out. Does he Morrissey go is disturbing. But I adore Morrissey, yeah. but Morrissey for me is a distant icon. Not like it's not. Say I'm friends with other famous people. Noel Gallagher, he's normal bloke. with a yeah. great talent. I yeah. can get my head around that. Not Morrissey though.
1: No, I, I can imagine. Yeah, but so does he? Does he go back afterwards? And so I like the bit about. That he person. came back
2: and he was initially extremely <laughs> charming. <laughs> That lasted for a brief time, Boyd. <laughs> yes. Then he l- lapsed into the acerbity which we know defines Morrissey. <laughs> there was the uh, philosopher Alain de baton was there, and he was saying, you sit back in your fucking chair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's just st- <laughs> fucking sloping off to <laughs> buy himself an I- uh, iPad. There's one in there just now that's meant to make me coffee. It didn't make me coffee. We're becoming overly dependent yeah. on this technology. I, try to get a c- I mean, how can an c- iPad make you a cup of coffee? Doesn't it make sense, does it? No. But where's the milk? No. It can't be in there, can no. it?
1: Especially if it failed. So it promised to make you a cup of coffee and he didn't actually come through with a cup of it's coffee. It's
2: like, yeah, it's, it was Kubrickian. <laughs> it was,
1: that is very I Kubrickian. I will make
2: you some <laughs> coffee, Russell. I mean, really, it's true agenda, but it was revealed that he's trying to spellbind us. Um... So yeah, like that philosopher Alain de Paton was there, and uh, he was being very flattering. Well, Russell, that was fantastic. What a wonderful piece of cultural co- uh, commentary. That was magnificent. Uh, you know, and then Morrissey sat there, and I think this is going well. There's a philosopher discussing me. There's Morrissey. Look, he's there. My childhood was obviously some sort of terrible fiction, where I was like some uh, tubby little failure, staggering through life, tripping over and disappointing myself and other people. No, what I am is this person where Alain de says nice things. He carried on saying the nice things. Morrissey was there. <laughs> well, it's difficult to situate you, Russell. That's the problem. Uh, no, Ma- no, that was Alain de not There's no. There's nowhere we can put you. If you were a cultural commentator, we would say you were the, the best philosopher of the age, but you're funny. I mean, there's really no box we can put you in. And Morrissey said, how about a coffin?
1: <laughs> But you yeah. want that from Morrissey, in a way. That's what exactly you what, you from from what you want from Morrissey. You want to
2: be dragged back down to earth with Absolutely. a thud and a kick in the gut.
1: Have you read his book? Have you read his your mentions of you in his book? Yeah, they yeah. are odd mentions. They as are well, that. yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, again, not entirely fascinating, but but brilliantly descriptive of the incident at the, at, when you you and David Williams and Jonathan came to his rescue in the, at that gig. is was a funny. mistake.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, not, like I, I I have read Morrissey's book. I, I admire him and uh, I love him very, very deeply, but perhaps because he has remained what he is meant to be, a sort of a, a hero and an icon. For me, unblemished by humanity and frailty. There's some people I've just made my mind up to love. Paolo Di Morrissey. <laughs> don't matter what they do. I just love them.
1: No, fair Someone enough.
2: Someone go, they're racist. I'm like, <laughs> maybe Paolo Di Cano or whatever. I go, I don't, I don't fucking care. Yeah,
1: yeah. Some
2: people are just heroes. We can have our opinions about right and wrong in our hearts and then I think let other people be what they are. I'm not saying Morrissey was racist. He'll kill me if he thinks
1: oh I'm God, saying that. Oh, God, yeah. No. He isn't. And anyone who says he is, is mad. And Palos de might only be a fascist, might not necessarily be racist. Is that's it right. It yeah. could be
2: a fascist, in which everyone is invited to be involved. Yeah. But what, like, if that's the
1: case, then what's the problem with fascism? No, yeah, I mean, no. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like an alternative. Everyone, right, we're
2: fascists. Everyone can be involved. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. What's the advantage? Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah. fascist, what does it come from? Togetherness, like those, those so. yeah, bundles yeah, yeah, of sticks yeah. that they used. That's where it comes from. Yeah, fashion. Yeah,
1: yeah, It was, it was, it was subtly different. Um, we talking of uh, the audience. At, along with the Alan de Botton and Morrissey, there was Gary Lineker in the audience. Another yeah. um, interesting contrast. I think we've got a clip of this bit featuring Gary himself. Let's have a look. <laughs> oh, I love what Gary Lineker's been. You Can't ignore Gary Lineker.
2: Oh, just sat there, Gary Lineker, looking all f-ing perfect. <laughs> Did you get that seat yourself, Gary, or did Peter Beardsley organise the seat, set the seat up, and then at the last minute you just came and sat down? <laughs> yes, yes! Yes! Gary Lineker, even great! <laughs> You've got to love him!
1: That was actually a brilliant football analogy that might not, not, non-football fans might not get about Peter Beardsley and Gary Lineker. I'm very happy with that joke. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I
2: felt a huge yeah. rush of self-satisfaction. <laughs> that nearly toppled me off course for the rest of the night. I was too busy. You know, if you say something good in an argument, you might be thinking, oh my God, that was brilliant. And you can't really focus on the rest of the argument for a while. I had that a little bit.
1: Especially off the I'll presumably you didn't go, oh, Gary, you know, I'm going to sit down and think of some ex- excellent things to say. No. It just, it just all happens.
2: Always have something smart ass to say in case <laughs> Gary Lineker turns up. I've lived my life by that, and finally <laughs> it's paid off.
1: <laughs> um, That's was filmed on a crucial England football match night which just did add to the whole uh, interestingness of him being there that's not a word interesting he did a bit because
2: uh, yeah cuz uh, like obviously Gary Lineker is the face of BBC football and someone was saying English football and like uh, England were playing Poland in a crucial qualifying match he just thought I'll go and watch Russell Brand's a question of priorities so I was, uh, yeah no so it did add an extra frisson to his attendance
1: and he did go backstage and join Alan de Botton and Morrissey was it was a, a
2: lovely moment no. where we had a kick about. It was like <laughs> the uh, famous World War I Christmas Eve truce.
1: <laughs> I wanted to mention your, your, your football. You've mentioned Power Decanny and your love. You, you posted some brilliant pictures on Twitter of you with some West Ham players in their pants. Yeah. The other day.
2: I did do that, yeah. That's the sort of thing I do.
1: Yeah, which I was very jealous about because I'm an Arsenal fan, but I'd t- happily have pictures of me with Arsenal players in their pants. What is it? Who particularly? I think um, Theo, Theo Walcott. You definitely. want Theo in yeah. his pants? And Jack Wilshire.
2: In his pants. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I do bet they'd be up for it. Yeah. Yeah, I was very happy. It was very impressive to be down there. I, like, I wanted to meet particularly Ravel Morrison. Yes. I was very excited about meeting him. He played brilliantly after he'd come on. I thought, I want to meet him, I want to meet him. So me and my mate went downstairs. like And like it's mad to have been a lifelong fan of West Ham and then suddenly be allowed in them areas, players, lounges, dressing. I mean, and that's the first time... I've been in a dressing room while there've been players in it. The fuck, it. it's a very unfamiliar atmosphere, very masculine, as you can imagine. They're just wandering, coming out of the showers and that, with towels around him. I started to sort of feel myself go like a bit gay, <laughs> and sort of like sort of really interested and confused. I didn't have like a frame of reference. Cole and Cole, like Cole and Cole, when you watch him on the telly on a football pitch, he's just like a bloke. You see him in, in his pants, you're like, it's like I'm a heterosexual man. I was like, you're fucking gorgeous. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's like all yeah. I could do not to sort of press my mouth into his stomach.
1: <laughs> because there is incredible glamour to football players, isn't there? Because you meet famous people all the time. Or you, you act with them. You, but there is, I think that as well. I, eat, I meet all kinds of people. But when I meet a football player, I'm incredibly... Overwhelmed and excited about it. They're
2: frozen in the abstract. They're frozen at the moment where you first encounter them, perhaps to a degree. And like me, like there will always be men, me sat nervously next to my dad Wednesday night, Upton Park, drizzly in the rain, floodlit, looking at football. It'll be Alan Devonshire or whatever, yeah. Tony Cotty, and like sort of thinking, these are these things, you know, out there on that luminous green pitch. You know, like and that's a sort of, sort of, when you meet them and they're just like lads, you yeah, know, like yeah. sort of, Ravel Morrison, he can't cope with my fucking romanticising of him. He can't cope yeah. with me sort of going, <laughs> Ravel, you are the heart and soul of this club, let me kiss you, boy. <laughs> you know, like, he's just, oh, like, mate, thanks. You know, like, sort of, uh, he, was, he's, he was lovely, actually, him. He give me his shirt. Yeah, he, yeah, he did. He, like, I give him a cuddle and I goes, well thanks." Yeah. you know he comes from trouble, did not he, the boy? Yeah, 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 and, yeah. I, and I sort of like give him a little cuddle and that. And like sort of later, he just come up to me all shy when I was talking to Joe Cole. <laughs> and like just, on oh, do they just, like, just come over and sort of went, like, give me his shirt. Didn't even look at me properly, all scrunched up and inside out, give me his shirt. Then
1: I left it in a fucking cab.
2: Oh, but no. I got it oh, back. Oh, good. I got
1: it back. It's in the house now. Oh, thank God for that. Thank God for that. If you, did you invite them along to the show? Are they Are going to come and see the show?
2: I said they can come if they want to come. I said yeah, that to yeah, all yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. But they're very, you know, they're young, aren't they? they if you're busy doing whatever it is people do at that <laughs> age. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's true, that's fair enough. Mm. Um, in terms of like, you're doing a show tonight at Hammersmith, aren't you? Kind of the tour goes on for a few more months. Is it, do you enjoy the process of touring and going to all these places and doing the same, roughly the same show? I
2: enjoy being with people, but even like hearing that, that was a couple of months ago, yeah. I feel like I'm talking too slowly, it should be said quicker. I mean, you could just sort of like, you just sort of hear the, you know, like you're sort of constantly in a process of refinement. Like, so, uh, yeah, I like the bits, but I like more the improvised bits. Yeah. I like we just want to be in spontaneous situations, mucking around with people, skylarking around when it's nearly going wrong. That's what I like is when it's nearly going wrong when people are like, Oh fuck the police are gonna get involved in this. This is <laughs> not even a legal thing anymore. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: That's the bit I like, or when the atmosphere goes really bad and I think, now I'm gonna have to make this all right again. <laughs> if you have the right if you're in the right headspace, everything's all right. Everything's all right, things can't go wrong. If someone shouts saying, Cat, you think, Oh good, this is a gift from the universe, what am I gonna say now? You know, like if you're living in fear, then everything's a potential problem. If you're living in alignment with different, with a different way of thinking and feeling, someone shouts stuff out. It's just like, oh, thanks for offering that up for me. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Do
1: you feel is that news that your your current feeling of 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 uh, feeling of freedom, so you can do say write what you like, and you don't think anyone can get at you and say anything that's gonna really piss you off?
2: No, I don't now. I feel invincible. So that sounds like an invitation for someone (laughs) to shout something. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm like I feel now I'm trying to live a spiritual life in absolute humility. So like that's for like I want to be live a life of humility and acceptance. So I think if I'm like, you know, you know, you see someone trip over, why is it that with the old schadenfreude What is that? What is that valve? What's being released? Maybe you think that person was pompous, or maybe you will feel low and you want to see other people brought low. Me, I'm happy when, like, I see someone tripping my first impulse. He's like, oh, fuck it, are you OK? You know, like, you know, sort of like, so, so the Beatles about seems like some sort of, not Beatles about, What's the one that you've been framed.
1: Yeah, you've been framed, yeah. If
2: you watch that and you think, oh, are you all right? Oh, God, are you all right? Jesus, oh, this is terrible. If it sort of seems like sort of like some sort of weird, inept snuff film. <laughs> Then I think you're in the right place, sort of spiritually. If you can't take any satisfaction from the suffering of others, that means you're in alignment with something. I'm feeling. I'm not saying that it's wrong to laugh yeah. at slapstick as expertly <laughs> executed by Laurel and or something. I'm just saying, like me, I, I'm in a place now at the moment where when I'm on, on top of my game, I just want peace
1: and joy and a little bit of chaos. When you go on into the audience and you've interacted, what's the, what, what's the kind of the best thing that's happened? Is has there been any chaotic moment that's? Oh, there's
2: amazing it? things happen all the time. People say the weirdest things. People make odd sexual advances. People tell you peculiar things about themselves. People look like of an odd, like a Aryan Harry Potter's ginger <laughs> Jesus is. Like this is such a one of people are so amazing looking. Such a look at him, almost exactly like Alan Pardew, but a yeah, bit tougher yeah. and harder. Right, Absolutely. directly in front, of a tough Alan Pardu. Yeah. Well, like you know, the world is full of like like, I think, opportunities for humour if this is what, you, uh, if what you're if what you looking for, extraterrestrial Morrissey, just there. Absolutely, <laughs> you know, yeah. So like, you, know, like, you know, so, uh, like, yeah, I, I yeah. enjoy that part of the show. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I like the fact when you do, uh, kind of maybe this is similar to the point you're making about not laughing at the you thing, when you go in, unlike a lot of comedians who are terrifying when they come in, to, I'm always terrified if, if anyone comes in me, you kind of actually say, I'm not going to be, I won't pick you out and be horrible to you just for the sake of it, or if you don't want to be, you kind of, like, put them at ease. So... Any, you only interact with people that are genuinely happy to be interacted with. That I try to do that,
2: Boyd, <laughs> because I don't like it. Me, when I don't like it if some when you're at a pantomime or like Lion King and they come down and start moving around, I think, go get fuck off! Yeah, Get away from me! Completely. Get up there! I think yeah. it's unnerving to have that. You're, look, there's this particular look. There's a visual architectural grammar. There's the stage ends there. Then there's a weird front row. I c- still can't understand why it's got a blanket on it and some lights on it. <laughs> lights that look like a, like illuminated <laughs> egg cartons. Here they are. Look.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like so, why build this stage so near to here? I just yeah. don't like it's uh, it's one of the things I've been worrying about since I've been since I've arrived. Put that back now. Someone's put time <laughs> and effort into lighting <laughs> that a certain way.
1: Russell puts back go. lighting thing. it's yeah, it's a, it's a bit back. Doctor Who. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's kind it of
2: it is, it is, it
1: is. Yeah, yeah, it is weird. Um, and in terms of what I, but I'm going to throw them to the audience in a sec. So uh, this is the bit where dirty you get devil. To, yeah, absolutely. I have uh, got any water. I'm a bit thirsty. Ooh. Oh, there's water down there. Look. Where?
2: Fucking hell, what a wonderful world, yeah, totally, abundance. <laughs> all these austerity cuts, all this talk of scarcity, but around us there is abundance. You ask for water, it's like being in Willy Wonka's Chocolate yeah, totally. Factory. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but before I do, I was gonna ask a couple of things. One is, um, is, do you think, as the tour goes on, like when you get next year, it carries on next year, doesn't it, are you gonna like, change it radically, are you gonna re- rewrite it, or are you gonna stick with the basic format that you've got at the moment?
2: I don't know, really, mate. It's a really good show. I'm really happy with it. I like the message and the point. So I sort of feel like people have coughed up to see it. They should get the proper show. Yeah. I can't just change things because I think, oh, I've said that already.
1: No, that's true. Yeah. So
2: I think I'll stick with it properly. Yeah. But yeah. like, I'll allow a lot of spontaneity at the beginning and yeah. all of that. Yeah.
1: And, and the other thing I want to ask is, just out of interest, because as we approach uh, Christmas, is what does a man of complex philosophical and uh, spiritual dimensions as yourself do at Christmas? Like, What are you, what do you do? Do you do enter into all of that?
2: I try and get into the thing that it's meant to be, eh? Like, what's it like? It's meant to be. What is Christ as a icon, as a sign? Christ is the fusion of uh, animal and divinity. He is a God within man. So I think, well, what is it about me that's very nice? Oh, I'm kind to others and all that. What is it that's a bit like basic? Oh, we'll try and, you know, like I have pretty basic desires sometimes. Well, knock them on the head for Christmas. Maybe one or two bags of Maltesers, but. <laughs> Try basically to concentrate on the positive aspects of our nature. Very good. Okay. Thank you.
1: So uh, let's open it up. And I'll watch The Omnibus. (laughs) And down. (laughs) 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 Will you be watching uh, EastEnders on Christmas Day? I hope so. I've stopped watching EastEnders now. Yeah, it's the
2: same in mood that it was in when I was a kid. I liked the people, what was in it when I was watching it. It was, the lot won't even know what this means. Nick Cotton, oh, oh yeah. It was a yeah. glory days. Ali Cab, Sue and Ali. Yeah. Their baby, I think, was called Mehmet. It was all right. It was good days then. Uh, the Dagmar, Kathy Beale, oh. Well, that's actually quite a sad storyline, but basically, it was quite good. <laughs> yeah,
1: that was a terrible storyline, yeah. You're right. right, let's open it up to the audience. And the gentleman there, uh, Bill Mike, just behind you, yeah.
2: There you go gentleman there with a mic is <laughs> yeah. a fucking plant <laughs> <laughs> Where well, he bought one <laughs>
0: um, hello um, sorry I had a question it's uh, concerning the article that you wrote in a uh, news statement just in October you talk about um, the spiritual revolution but you don't give us precise details that you, um, and so I, I had a question is it a revolution for devolution that we had in previous revolutions or a a revolution for evolution? Just, can you just precise it? Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Uh,
2: (laughs) What it is, mate, is that, look, I'll put it simply, we're living in a culture that all of us have good and bad in us. The great Russian writer, Solzhenitsyn, says the guard, the line between good and evil runs not between nations, creeds, and religions, but through every human heart. All of us have the capacity to be an arsehole. All of us have the capacity to be beautiful. So if you have a culture that's always stimulating the part of you that's a bit negative and selfish, e.g. Uh, sort of a consumerist system that's always making you think that you can make yourself happier by buying things, you will not become a beautiful person. If, however, you have a culture that sort of makes you focus on the divine aspect of your nature. There is a chance for common unity, community between people. So for us to have a social revolution, we need to have individual uh, revolutions. So a revolution, I think, means sort of dramatic, radical change. So I'm not talking about like bloodshed, because that would be counterintuitive. I don't think that there should be violence. I'm against that on a very fundamental level. But I do think there needs to be massive social change. I hope that answers your unanswerable question.
0: (laughs) (laughs)
1: Thanks. I was going to ask that, but I knew someone would answer it in, in <laughs> the audience. about to get picked yeah. up that,
2: boy. Don't waste your time. No,
1: absolutely. Yeah, uh bloke there in the, in the woolly hat. Oh, sorry. I've got right in the middle just to challenge the mic man. There you go. Uh, hi, Russell. Um, I'm sorry if you find this question a bit weird, but...
0: <laughs> Not uh, after that one. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I'm actually really interested to hear your answer. Um, okay, so let's say your life is a book and you have ten chapters... My in life is a book. Yeah. Brookie ha- Wook. Two books. <laughs> And you have 10 chapters in this book. What chapter are you in at the moment, and what is
2: it called? Ooh, that's interesting, isn't it? Um, well, I hope, I don't know, I hope I'm not even at the middle yet. And I think it's hopefully to do with change, transition, and uh, growth, ewoth, I'd call it, because that seems to be my system, that is to become a rhyming word. So hopefully, I'm not nearly dead. That's one of my hopes. Uh, and and uh, th- I'll take your book analogy and I'll run with it and I'll just say that this is a point of uh, awakening. Let's call it awakening.
1: I think I've oh answered that, Yeah, that's that, interesting. Boy. Yeah, no, you have. Totally, yeah. Quite Thank pretentiously, you. but I've well answered no. it. But it was good. Uh, yes. Uh, oh, as people write, there's a gentleman just saying the <laughs> white T-shirt. What if someone oh. goes like,
2: uh, oh, I'm trying <laughs> to find the iPad mini. <laughs> <laughs> just over there, mate. <laughs> is this the genius bar? Well, I like to think so.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, Einstein talked a lot about adapting a vegetarian diet for the future of human consciousness and evolution, and I know you're a vegetarian. Um, I wonder what your views on that are. You don't seem to talk about it too much as you kind of alienate, y- alienate yourself from a lot of people. Uh, can you talk on your vegetarianism a little bit?
2: I try not to be too militant about the vegetarianism, but my belief is that there's... Uh, Morrissey said once... Uh, I don't see why something's life should end just so I can have a snack. <laughs> <laughs> something's life has to end, like your life, that thing you're in the middle of. So like, um, so for me, it's just like uh, I, there ain't much need to eat meat, so I don't eat meat. But look at this, for example, these shoes are probably made out of an animal. This is hard to deny that this is, <laughs> it's like a sheep may might have been involved in this at one point. <laughs> So, you know, I'm I'm pretty far from perfect, but like, I think the intention is good. I think vegetarianism is better, not just because it's nice to not eat animals, gives you a nice bit of moral high ground from which to condescend at people. From (laughs) I'm vegetarian, what have you done? Uh, And uh, also, it's just, you know, sort of moving that direction because industrial agriculture is having a terrible effect on the old planet that we're living on. So, I do believe in it, mate, but I think there's loads of people that know loads more and are much more ardent and militant. And so, I'll leave it to them, you know.
1: Thank you. Uh, where should we go? Oh, there's a bloke with his hand up, kind of just behind the m- cameraman, <laughs> just to really be really difficult. Sorry, but he's had his hand up for about 10 minutes, so it's only fair. We get the mic to him. Here we go. Hello.
0: Hey. Um, All right. <laughs> um, so, so. I would like to ask you this question. When you talk about um, how individual, I've heard you speak before about individualism being a bad thing. Yeah. Um, I'm I know I'm only young and everything like that. I'm, yeah. <laughs> but I'm only 17, <laughs> but. I believe that individualism is a great thing In, okay does it lead to us um, having um, does it lead to us to, I agree with your argument that it does leave us to our bad side but at the same time don't we all have a choice and don't we all shouldn't we all have the freedom to do what we want to do as long as we're not harming anyone else so when you were talked about consumerism before shouldn't we all have the fr- should we all have the freedom to do what we want so Obviously, I don't agree with this consumerism culture. I think you should have a responsibility. Obviously, when I obviously when I earn a certain amount of money, I think, what can I do? I don't think, really, I need to buy all of these things just to make myself happy. So that's the thing. You got it,
2: man. All right, now listen. What, uh, well, there's a diff- what, uh, I tell you what I'm saying is there's a difference between individuality and individualism. Now, individuality, that's like your right to, like me, I'm a, I've am got my little quirky ways, ain't I? I'm a sort of a unique in my own way, like Boyd is, like you are. We're allowed to be individuals, so that's different. Individualism is about identifying your life's narrative with your own personal needs above all else, because you think, no, as long as I'm alright. Now, if we have a, a culture where people are devoted exclusively or even primarily to their own self-preservation and their own self-enhancement, what you get is the illusion that people are in competition and combat with one another. We ain't. All of us actually have a shared agenda. We have one shared agenda, the preservation of the planet, and we have certain community values that, broadly speaking, we all believe in. Now, you talk about the idea of freedom. You don't have freedom, mate. What you have is the illusion of freedom. If you want to find out the limitations of your freedom, try picking up an iPad and walking out with it. <laughs> now, like, <coughs> now, like, like And so so what it's about, mate, is it's like having a culture where you sort of think, my individual freedom, my individual gratification is what's important, and like, believe me, it's easy to fall into that trap because it's so serves our primal nature, like this biological machine we live in, the human anatomy, it is necessarily selfish and greedy for its survival, but we have transcended that now. We're in a culture where our needs can be met, where there are abundant resources, abundant yet limited resources, enough for us all. So we have to we have to like think, if we are living in systems that serve an elite at the exploitation of the many, is that system worth changing? And one way of getting people to comply with that system is believing in their own individual advancement. Once people go, fuck myself, not literally, but maybe, then like, like think of how am I as part of the whole? How am I as part of the community? Then people, uh, then we, we we begin to change. We begin to have a different kind of system. It's e- less easy for us to be exploited. Do you want more <laughs> than that? You know?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks. Oh, don't try walking out of an iPad, by the way. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> so, um, you yeah, yeah, probably alarmed. I would have thought.
1: Just a just a lady right here. Yeah. yeah. Cheers.
0: Hi, Um, I really enjoyed, I say enjoyed isn't the right word, I was really interested in the work you've done towards abstinence-based recovery for drug addiction, and particularly within the charity that helped you, and uh, I was wondering if you were going to do any more projects towards that at the moment, or if there's anything coming up in the future.
2: Yeah, I'm going to keep doing that, thanks for asking me that, mate, because uh, it's a priority for me, for me sort of remaining abstinent from drugs and alcohol one day at a time is an integral part of my life, so... Yeah, I'll be doing more. I'm doing another documentary to BBC in January. I continue to work with Focus 12, the place that got me clean. And I sort of increasingly think. The manner in which I stay clean from drink and drugs it, is very useful in looking at anything we use to make ourselves feel better, whether it's food, or sex, or love, or consuming stuff. If you sort of look at the simple spiritual principles that are available to everyone, these, uh, the, the, through which people pursue abstinence-based recovery, I think they're super useful ideas. So yeah, I'm doing more and more. In fact, it's the most important thing in my life. I'm doing it all the time. I've been doing it today. I have to keep doing it. So definitely, I'll be pursuing that.
1: Thank you. Uh, yeah, gentleman just behind. Hey, um, so the question I want ask is,
0: in your opinion, what has been the most effective form of self-inquiry? Is it through intellectual pursuit or meditation? So what has brought about the greatest transition in yourself? Getting off
2: drinking drugs? It's not a really good question? Well, I think, mate, like, that you can, like the uh, intellectual pursuits are confined by their nature to a certain frequency. They're laterally, you can go anywhere intellectually. The intellect is like, you know, sort of like a powerful, powerful resource. Well, I heard this bloke say this thing. Uh, he's called Graham Hancock he says the we live in the right sided problem solving mind and we've created a culture like that this is a really lovely phrase we've been given the intuitive mind as a uh, we've been given the intuitive intuitive mind as a gift and the rational mind as a servant we've created a society that has uh, deified the servant and forgotten the gift so i I'm, what i'm obviously saying to you is that through yoga and meditation spiritual disciplines that are impossible to define within the narrow parameters of the intellect that's where true advancement uh, comes from this is not like a hippy dippy bullshit idea Einstein. Says you cannot change a problem, you cannot solve a problem using the thinking that created it. Anything that happens on the frequency of the intellect is confined to the intellect. We need spiritual, transcendent pursuits to access information with which we can change our material, physical world. So it's spiritual change because spiritual change, as as it's called, a recognition, the acknowledgement that we are all one, that we are all one, that separation is an illusion. We can't see the things between you and I that connect us, but we know they're there. Sometimes we feel it, sometimes we feel that there's something that passes between us. Sometimes we feel it, and temporarily we're reminded, fuck, what was I doing with my life? No one on their deathbed is going, I wish I'd spent more time wanking on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> People say, I should have loved more. I should have loved more. Do we know this in our heart?
1: Thank you. You've got time for a couple more. So there's, yeah, it's a bloke just there. I oh, hope you don't mind another big question.
2: It's good, isn't it? <laughs> I'm the bloke off Big Brother's Big Mouth. <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> How do you see the social and political landscape being in about 10 years' time in this country?
2: I think it's going to change radically because I think what the thing that's happened with our um, um Uh, devotion to neoliberalism is it's achieved its aim of creating an elite superclass with much too much wealth now what's happening now is that the consequence of that is there's loads of people without hardly any or enough and people are starting to wake up to the fact they're being shafted now when enough people reach that conclusion there's the possibility for change and then neoliberalist parties such as that just means Labour and the Conservatives and the Lib Dems they all got the same basic philosophy they'll start to recognise oh no we don't represent the people that vote for us but they don't need to represent the people that vote for them, because they ain't the people that put them in power. It's corporations that put them in power. But once we eliminate the influence of money in politics, then we'll be able to have a, a, a real transitional effect. I think this will happen in the next five to ten years, mate. I think it's going to look very different. I think it'll be so there will be a radical change. I imagine that big businesses will lose a lot of power. Corporations will lose a lot of power. There will be a lot of renationalization of industries, I imagine, and a lot more globally uh, globalized politics, where we start to recognize that we, the people, have more in common with each other, whether it's fucking here or Afghanistan or Iraq or America, than we have with the rich people that are telling us that they're in charge.
1: Thank you. And finally, there's that bloke there next, right by the speakers has hand up for a while. Let's go to him.
3: Cheers. So I was wondering how you get all of these people who've got, because uh, as you know, um, we've got social media now, which can basically get messages out a lot quicker than um, the six corporations that control all of the media. Um, and I was wondering how you get so people such as yourself and other celebrities, I don't know, like, Julie Roberts and Bruce Willis aren't going to pop down and say, Do you know what, we need revolution because <laughs> they're all right now. But, <laughs> but I was wondering, because I was, I was studying um, Malcolm X and I was studying Martin Luther King and when they did the great march on Washington, um, Martin Luther King did the great march on Washington, all the celebrities came out. And they basically, uh, Sidney Poitier, Steve McQueen, all those sort of people I think came out. And um, they basically came out and helped sort of back what was going on there. So how, I mean, obviously it's a bit different now, that was to do with sort of race and, but this is to do with class and money. And how do we get this, all these major corporations, they've got far too much money, let's be honest. Um, How do we get these people to basically have to give up some of their money and give up some of their power how do we start doing that
2: you just have to recognize that like what will happen mate is that the, the choice will be removed because you know like really corporation that's an intellectual an abstract construct like say this business Apple massive massive corporation really look at Apple some of these people work for Apple I've been chatting to them they're fucking lovely they're human beings like us they're the same as us so unlike Julia Roberts and Bruce Willis amazing though it was when you said that <laughs> they're like they're human beings the same as us they're the same as us so what we need is a universal ideas that focus on our similarities and uh, transcend our differences like I went to Northern Ireland right and there's this lady called uh, Maraid Maguire she started this movement called Mothers Against Violence when the sectarianism was really bad in Northern Ireland her and a Protestant mother got together and marched in all the areas where you weren't men or if you was Catholic or Protestant or whatever they just marched all over the shop and what happened is because they were saying look we're mums like she'd lost a load of family the Protestant lady had lost a load of family they're like we're mums we don't want our kids killed no more. More, right, so, and like the para- paramilitaries had to acknowledge the truth of that, right? So, so they brought people together. Now, there are certain universal truths that we all share. One, for example, is the planet has limited resources. If we don't prioritise the planet, we're going to fuck it up, you know. Another one of the universal truths is that no one wants to continually augment and fortify the, the, the uh, rapidly growing power of corporations. None of us want that. None of us. It's just that we you know we haven't been out to coordinate our voices. Now you make a very important point. We have social network now. Of course they're going to think of ways that they can control that and limit it and censor it, but they won't be able to because it's too diffuse, too diverse. So popular movements will emerge. And what we have to recognize is that we're all responsible together. We don't need... Bruce Willis, God love him, and Julia Roberts, we just need you to make a decision, you'll do something, and every one of us to make a decision that we'll all do something, and in our common universal alignment, we'll come together, we'll change everything, it will be doddle.
1: Brilliant. Um, thanks. Is, we have run out of time, Russell's got to go and do a show. Um, just thanks for you all for coming, thanks for asking brilliant questions, thanks for listening to my stupid, boring, trivial questions. You're lovely,
2: your questions were lovely. You've done Russell. well, don't put yourself down. You, we're all mate. doing really well in the <laughs> Cheers, Apple mate. store. <laughs> if we did all go mad now, it would be really hard for them to control us.
1: That like, is true. If
2: everyone like started just picking up stuff, putting it in their tops and wandering out, it would be like it would really cause aggro. I'm not saying do it, I'm just saying recognise your power. Us not doing it is a choice, it's a choice to not do it. Alright, I'm just letting you know you have power. Alright then, uh, thanks very much yeah. for coming everyone.
1: And you can also get, and on a really <laughs> banal commercial level, you can download Russell's show on iTunes and buy it on DVD. You can if you, you want You just to. can. I'm just and saying. I bet
2: people like the young fella there, he'll know how to do it without involving iTunes, so I, should, <laughs> I should imagine. He seems well keyed in.
1: Yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Russell Rand,
2: Cheers, Cheers. boy. Thanks you lot.